Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 10 of Don't Mess With The Metro. Joined here today by the usual gang today. And per the norm, I would like to ask, how have you all been this fine over this fine week after a nice uh nice holiday weekend doing pretty good um yeah things are things are definitely going around my end finally done with class found out that i did indeed pass the class so that's what matters and yeah things are going great studious andy at its finest dan how close are we now what what was it dan how close are we now well, are, are you asking if I'm there yet or not? Uh, because How it feels close. like... How close are we? We are, after tonight, recording on May 27th. There will be two more nights to hit 60. After the 29th, on the 30th, I could finally crack open a nice can of whatever I want to drink. All right, so for Saturday, Friday at midnight, we're streaming and going to have a live session of Dan and I getting lit. Yeah. I was even thinking, just saying, you know what, screw it, just go to the end of the month of May. Just say I went all April and May without it. Just, what's two more days? You know, I could make myself get ready for crop top season. You know, summer bod season's coming around. We've lost a little bit of weight, actually. It's amazing what happens when you cut alcohol out of your diet. But, yeah, mind-blowing. Mind-boggling. Yeah, but, yeah that uh, took off was great. I would just like to quickly, before we get into anything, uh, congratulate Ian for not only having faith in me, but for giving me the drive and the passion to continue along with this, I guess it wouldn't even be a trek at this point, this whole Challenge. journey. Challenge. Challenge. You name it, it was a tough one. And I still have two more days. I can still break it, but by the time we record next week, you're going to hear it with the opening of a cracking of a brand new can from my end when you ask me how my quarantine is going. So... Suck it, Andy. I have faith in you to finish out these last two days. Well, in uh, some unfortunate news over the past week, uh, the University of Alabama Huntsville announced that they were cutting their men's hockey program, which has been a common occurrence across many NCAA sports, although not usually hockey, due to higher costs from the pandemic and everything as you would expect it to be. That being said, recently there was a community that... uh, GoFundMe page or whatever you say that is uh, striving to uh, bring the program back, and that they and that before Friday, May 29th, they need $500,000 of donations from the community. As as they currently already have, they need a million, but they're already halfway there. So oh, the they have 500. They're at 500k. They're at 500k, and they need 500k more. Actually, oh, I well, they already hit 500k. Good. That's perfect. Actually, what I should have said afterwards was the donations have added up to 109k, so they only need 391,000 more. This is as of yesterday. I'm really hoping that it works. I mean, like as much as like we don't really joke too too much like about like some belt hockey. Like, we bring it up a lot and we laugh about it, and we definitely want to see it thrive. And this is one of those things that I def it, it kind of sucks. And it all starts, it's not just Corona. It kind of stems from the WCHA. They only had 10 teams to begin with. And when seven of them say that they're going to leave, and the only teams left in are the two teams out in Alaska that have to fly literally 10 hours to go play a game, or Alabama-Huntsville, who 
is kind of secluded and the only real hockey team in the deep south kind of because arizona's more true desert it it kind of sucks you have bemidji you have your minnesota teams that are leaving um is lake superior in michigan or minnesota i think michigan right michigan tech i know lake superior state i think i know they were leaving as well minnesota state's leaving northern michigan's leaving who am i missing you said michigan tech there's two teams that I'm missing off the top of my head. Um, I'll Google and I'll mention them later. Uh, sorry for those teams that I'm forgetting. Oh, um, Ferris State and Bowling Green. Mm. I was going to say Miami of Ohio, but no. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, when you have seven of those teams where they kind of have somewhat of a hockey history, Bowling Green not as much, but it's kind of tough. And the whole corona definitely doesn't help. It's It's unfortunate. It's very, very unfortunate. That's really especially, all I can say. Especially for. when you consider a lot of these schools are pretty small. And as you mentioned, aforementioned before, travel costs are just mad expensive. They do not help in this situation the slightest. And especially really, considering that Huntsville has to go out to Alaska and play either in Anchorage or in Fairbanks. Again, that's a long flight. And I definitely, still, you still want to see hockey out in Alaska. So it's, are those teams next if this trend kind of continues? And again, we did add LIU. So, I mean, good on college hockey for getting a new team. It's kind of tough for them to immediately join. And Illinois is going to be joining the Big Ten. So it's good that there's some expansion, but you don't want to have expansion and teams having to fold. Like you want the expansion to kind of stick around and, with Alabama Huntsville, you're giving more kids an opportunity to play. And you never know if you're going to find that next Cam Talbot there. One, and another thing to mention is a lot of these small schools, they provide such a different source of energy into the crowd and passion that really drives these programs to, to a high level of success. Like for a lot of these teams, for a lot of these teams, like they are like the center of it. They are your basically your Big Ten football school's football team, for example, of their school, but of course they're the hockey team. And the and sort of the breakup of the small school rivalries really sort of deval- devalues how how much the, the, a lot of these small school rivalries really drive energy and passion. And yeah, obviously money is a big factor into all of these and some just really sucks. A hundred percent. It's just, it's unfortunate because you don't want to see this be the domino that starts the effects and you start to lose the Niagara's. You start to lose the Robert Morris's, some of these other Atlantic hockey schools that that's all that some of these schools are. And Bentley's D2 and every other sport except hockey. And to be in that market, it's kind of tough to survive, but they're constantly getting a fan base out there. Um, building a brand new arena for for this thing wouldn't it kind of suck if this team has to fold after building a brand new arena again niagara what else what other sports are there in college like any division one two or three that are out at niagara you don't hear too too much happening at robert morris either i mean holy cross every now and again i think they're d1 double a for football but again another small school in worcester mass it's you don't want to see these things go down the shitter because of 
funding or, again, lack thereof. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. It's one of those things that, especially for a small school, being someone that came from a small school, like you don't really, you don't see the same appreciation as like big schools because of the fact that, yeah, bigger schools, you obviously are going to see the um, fan base there and everything. But for the small schools, like we get, we obviously love our sports and everything because we connect with our classmates and all that. But especially for a school like Alabama Huntsville, that's a really small um a really small university compared to like actual non-branch campus Alabama and compared to all the other teams that they play. It's just something that you want to see a program there, a sports program succeed and produce the same way that produced Cam Talbot in the um, last couple of years. You want to see like more schools continue to grow, not programs be constricted or begin to become defunct. And hopefully they can raise the money to be able to bring them back in. We'll see. We have to see now just as far as are they going to go into do um, become like independent or are they going to be able to join another uh, conference? How are they going to basically roll from here? Another factor to consider is how much of this is going to stall the expansion of division of Division One college hockey, as aforementioned, Ella. LIU just recently got their team. Illinois will soon. But one thing to consider might be other teams in the future. It's like they could be delayed by several years due to these costs and other issues stemming forth for them. It's it's, it's not it's really easy for it to be cliche, but it really it really isn't all that much. It's really tough stuff to have to talk about. Well, well, as I am sure that all of you know, the NHL has announced yesterday their their plan to resume the season should they come across that bridge when they get there. 24 teams in the playoffs with a 16-team play-in round, and thankfully it is only 12 teams per conference as opposed to six teams from each division. And I know for a couple of you people in here... That means your team will get a chance to play for the postseason. I, for one, am really stoked for this, mainly off the fact that we finally get to see playoff hockey, well, really hockey resume, and it's the best type of hockey, playoff hockey. The idea that we can finally get teams that were on the bubble, I mean, it's the fairest way that they could have done it because the teams that were on the bubble that still mathematically had a shot, because let's say a team like Chicago or Montreal goes on a hard run, they could easily still have found a way to get in. You have teams like the uh, Rangers that was really hot going into going into the break, and they now finally have a chance to stake their claim. Other teams that may have gotten cold down the stretch, and they were still like they could have still had a chance to figure things out and somehow snuck in. They're able to get in still. It, it's like I said, it's the most po- like probably the fairest way that they could get the games resumed and get the playoffs underway so to speak i mean the only teams that like missed it were really far out of it and we'll go ahead and poke fun at them later because i have a whole litany of things to bash them about but for now i'm really excited to see the uh matchups and it's going to be really fun to see 24 teams in the playoff like this is going to be nuts my big thing right now is that this is bigger on multiple levels and people are taking it like one it's great to have hockey back and the way that they're doing the playoffs is fantastic. And I'll touch upon that a little bit later and tell Carolina fans to shut their pie holes. But 
right now, baseball's in a dispute. Football doesn't start for a while in general, and nobody's going to be focused much on OTAs anyway. And the NBA can't even get out of their own way for a return-to-play program, meaning hockey is the only sport right now that is going to be playing, and everybody talks about wanting to grow the game. This is the opportunity to grow the game. But the only thing that's on, you had people tuning in that don't give a flying rat's ass about golf that were watching Peyton Manning and Tom Brady play with Woods and Mickelson. If you have that many people tuning in and raising that much money for a cause, think about how many people are just going to tune in just to watch hockey in general. You're going to have even your regular fans that are just, you know, I enjoy hockey, that are going to be tuning in. But on top of that, you're going to be having people saying, you know what, why not give this a, sh- a shot? And you might have another uh, Tony X fan situation where he tunes into a game and you end up having a All it takes is one. And the way that this is going right now, the NHL cannot screw this up. They have the perfect opportunity to grow the game and really expand the sports base much, much further than it has been. It's literally going to give people something to watch, giving people a little slimmer of hope. And for the people that are talking about virus and concerns and all that, I'll touch upon those idiots later. But for right now, the NHL needs to focus on how to make this work so that way the game can grow. And to touch on your point of people tuning in to Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning, Brady and Mickelson golfing, you know, people are tuning into WWE or they're tuning into the German soccer league that people who work to private sports will flip on literally anything to fill their spare time, particularly in particularly in the dead of the summer if they're around home or not on vacation. And the NHL is no exception to all this. Hub cities currently in contention include Chicago, Columbus, Dallas, Edmonton, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Pittsburgh, Toronto, and Vancouver. The NHL is planning on selecting a eastern hub city and a western hub city to compete both sides of the brackets on. What happens with the uh, what happens with the Canadian border is left to be uh, decided later from from customs agents and all, as that's obviously a big hurdling factor to play in. But there's look, if I'm not mistaken, there are only like three yeah three cities that are home to Eastern Conference teams. And currently, NHL is still in Phase One, and they're expected to move into Phase Two by early June, assuming nothing changes. Bettman also said that training camps will not begin any earlier than July 1st, so you're going to really see this be plunged deep, deep, in, deep in the summer and into the early days of fall. And it's going to be, it'll be weird to see at first. Uh, tough to get used to, particularly, especially with no fans in as well and loads of players in the same location. But whatever it takes to get it done is. I believe this is going to be fantastic if they're able to get if they're able to get this off the ground. Can I just point out real quick before we go in? There are a lot of people complaining about that this shouldn't be happening. Just cancel the season. You're going to ruin this. You're going to ruin that. The way that things are going right now, how can you guarantee that next season is even going to start on time? You're right now in the summer. If you have players right now that are willing to play, and you have the opportunity to play in the summer months. Why would you not listen to the players themselves? They are comfortable playing. If they are comfortable playing and they voted on playing and they want to get a paycheck, 
and they want to play and they want to finish out the season and the owners want to finish out the season, whether it's for revenue reasons or not, who says that it's just the owners that want revenue? The players aren't getting a paycheck right now, too. What if they want a paycheck, even if it's something or a little bit to nothing? Every fan out here is complaining about no sports. And now when a team decides, hey, let's try and push this forward. And the league decides to say, all right, we kind of like this idea. Let's kind of push this forward. Let's have everybody meet. Now you're going to start knocking it? Am I going crazy here? Nope. Everybody's voting for it. And the two teams that voted against it were because of competitive reasons, thinking that it wasn't fair to their team's successes. And if somebody doesn't want to play, they don't have to play. You can scratch them. Who cares? They're all playing on their own accord right now. No, I yeah, definitely agree. Because um, this is something that I keep seeing all over Twitter. People are saying like, oh, this is going to be detrimental to our health. Okay, no one is forcing them to play. They've already had the regular season ended. This is the playoffs. Plenty of players, if they don't want, like, already the first, they let's say they go in for a couple of games and they get knocked out early. First of all, they're only going to be interacting with other players that have tested net like uh what's has have tested negative then they're going to be comprehensive testing at that comprehensive exactly yeah they're going to be isolated from the uh like quarantine themselves so that way they're not going to be able to interact with others it's going to be done so that they don't have to basically be in contact and expose themselves to this that's why they're going to there's going to be put forth all sorts of provisions to prevent them from getting sick or getting each other sick and getting like it, it's just it's already been planned out like this idea that people are thinking oh they're just gonna go out there someone's gonna get sick cough on the ice everyone's gonna get sick the whole league's gonna fold it's some sort of like chicken little thinking that is completely ridiculous yeah i mean was it the nhl said that they're working to provide what was it 25 to thirty thousand tests and it was gonna like cost them millions of dollars a lot of these a lot of these claims I tend to see all over the place that like they really aren't caring about players' safety just seems a bunch of bogusness yeah, and just like sputering just false things. That, right, people yeah, complain to just to complain. Yeah, yeah, like I can't believe that they're letting the players who want to play play and get a paycheck, especially considering some of these third and fourth liners might actually really need that paycheck too. And to basically finish out their jobs if they supposedly want to. I, you know, I, if they want to play, I really have never really seen the outrage whatsoever. But, hmm. well, with regards to the uh, draft process that was recently outlined, it uh, sounds a lot like Elon Musk's uh, child's name. Uh, the phase one draw will occur on June 26th. Before the NHL qualifying round begins, the top three spots in phase one draw go to teams that did not participate in the playoffs. There will be no phase two draw. Phase two draws will take place between the qualifying round and first rounds and would be used to determine how the eight teams that would lose in the qualifying rounds are seeded. The Red Wings, who secured last place in the NHL before the season pause, have an 18 and a half percent chance of winning the draft lottery which is the best in the, in the nhl shout out to uh novacaps.com for uh providing providing that info pretty crazy stuff but uh hopefully certain teams that lose in the qualifying round do not find their way to the uh first overall pick that's uh like a couple of which i have uh, brought light to that would 
that'd be pretty that'd just be no absolutely not so i just want to make sure i understand this the teams that could still like get knocked out of the playoffs still um or get knocked out in the qualifying round still have a chance to get like the top three picks correct only okay. if, if basically if the top three do not go to the top three don't go to like the teams to one of the seven teams that are not in the playoffs then yes all right no i gotcha okay interesting all right um yeah that's something that i could definitely see i could really see some shenanigans game pulled where a team that has no really has no business uh being in the conversation for a top pick somehow winds up with a top pick and yeah it'd definitely be something that we'll see how it basically plays out because i mean look at like the past couple of years where the uh i think it was a couple of years was it 2017 where the flyers were like only barely missed the playoffs and still wound up with the second overall pick um the blackhawks had found a way to get like a number uh three pick last year and they were really still not that far away from a playoff berth um there yeah there are teams that could definitely still be contending and still sneak out like yeah definitely sneak into the uh playoff threshold i mean look at like the devils and uh sabers are supposed to be contending and here they are again um lottery pick after lottery pick so you never know just want to point out real quick since we're kind of on that topic that you have a bunch of teams right now that are on the bubble. If you actually take into account every team that has over what? You figure three quarters of the way through 75 points, right? We'll say. Um, it's, it was done, it's standards are done based on point percentage. Well, we'll just say in general, right around six with, with 12 games to go, a team with 75 points or above is on the bubble. Can, can you reasonably say that? Because an 82-point team, you figure, has a shot at making the playoffs. To be able to get seven, seven points in 12 games is very, very reasonable. And again, 82 doesn't guarantee you anything, but you are an 82-point team is a playoff team. Wait a second. Maybe not every year, but possibly. You have how many teams right now at 80 points or on the cusp of 80 points? Isn't it... Let me look it up right this instant. Just going to point 82 out. 82 points as in like right the, at season's end, 82 yeah, points. End. At the season's end, 82 points is definitely a bubble team. You, you did something. If you didn't make the playoffs, you messed up somewhere. You either had a cold streak or you choked away a game you should have won. But if you think about it right now, of all the teams that are in. Half the league. I think half the league has 80 points, which is, yeah, it's around 16. So you figure after that, and again, a team like the Rangers with 12 games to play at 79, they have a shot of making it. You have the Panthers, 78 points, with one game in hand on the Rangers. Why couldn't they make it? You go on a hot streak, you're going to be able to play in. You you have to play your way in. Fair, like, plain and simple. Unless you are top three, scratch that, unless you're top two in your division, because even the third team could drop down into a wild card. The only teams that are really locked in are the top two teams in each division. That's it. Those are the only teams locked in with 12 games to play. Prove me wrong otherwise. Besides that, everybody else is on the bubble. You lose five in a row and another team wins four out of five? That's what? It's not an eight-point swing. That's a 
20 point swing. No, 18, no, 18 point swing. 18 point swing. My bad. Bad math. An 18 point swing is the difference between you making being second in your conference potentially to missing the playoffs. So the way that the NHL did this right now is nearly perfect. So for all these idiots out there, all these Carolina fans saying that the Rangers shouldn't be in it, listen. 79 through 70, you guys are 81 through 68. Say you guys play your next two games. You win one, you lose one. You go 500. What does that put you at? 83. You do realize that 83 doesn't get you to 86 to jump the Penguins, right? You do realize if you play those two in hand on the Rangers, you're still not going to pass the Penguins, right? You do realize that if you match the amount of games that the Caps, Flyers, and Pens have all played, they've all played 69. If you win that one game, you're still not catching up to them. You're still in the wild card, meaning you're still a bubble team. If you're a bubble team, you're not guaranteed a playoff berth. If you're not guaranteed a playoff berth, how can you complain about being in a playoff qualifying round? You're a six seed in a qualifying round. A six seed. That means that if the NHL took the top eight, you right now are two slots away from being out. How could you be complaining? Somebody explain it to me. Am I wrong here? No, no, no either. And crazy thing was when they originally proposed the uh, 2014 play, quote unquote playoff format, I was originally super opposed to it. Now it was mainly the six teams per division thing that I was just like, oh, what? This is absolute nonsense. But I think the way they took this out by points percentage, 12 teams in each conference, put it, put a put sort of more emphasis on those teams, those like top eight teams that were locked in already while sort of making sort of the rest of the bubble teams try to fight it out with each other and really show you who is better than one team or another to finalize 16 and then get the playoffs going underway. I've become a huge fan of this. I've become a huge fan of this format. I, th- I think they did this... They did the best they could do. And it's obviously a very tough job in these times. Like, and nobody's perfect, but this is this was some solid work by the league. You know, one hundred percent. One hundred percent. Not to mention, Carolina's row is thirty-three. The Rangers are thirty-six. So the Rangers have won three more games in regulation than you guys have. You play your two more games and you go five hundred. You're at thirty-four for your row, and you're at eighty-three points. The only argument that I could see him having is the Toronto argument, where Toronto's at 81. If Carolina plays two more, they're at 80. You figure at least 82. They'll find a way to get one point. So does that change anything? Eh. Right now, Carolina, again, is what? A six, right? And who are the top teams right now that are, who are the top four? Uh, Boston, Tampa, Washington, and Philadelphia. Can you repeat those teams again? Boston, Tampa, Washington, Philadelphia. Okay. Where's Pittsburgh? Is Pittsburgh the five seed? I'm pretty sure they are, right? Yes, they are. In the scenario that I gave you, if Carolina plays their next two games, are they passing Pittsburgh to get the five seed? No, you're not. They're already past Toronto. So the argument about Toronto technically doesn't hold any weight. I can understand it, though, but it doesn't hold much weight. I know I'm standing on my soapbox here, and sorry, Andy, I'm taking away your time to speak. But in the grand scheme of things, Carolina is drawing the Rangers 
no matter what the format is. And if they found a way to jump up to the five, you know who they're drawing? Carey Price and his kind of misfit Habs as of right now. <laughs> the most so feared into, player. You're running into Carey Price, where the only player in the playoffs who can stop Carey Price is, I guess, Emlyn Stick. But who am I to judge? And Tanner Andy, Glass, I'll let you forget. I've, I've talked enough. But yeah, um, honestly, I still find it kind of hysterical that the two teams that were voting against this were Carolina and Tampa. First of all, Tampa, because obviously look at them last year. Um, Carolina, because I, I mean, I would go off, please, please. Like, I'm just saying, well, with Tampa, really, they don't even know if they're going to draw Columbus or not. The hysterical thing would be they somehow find a way to draw Columbus. The other th- funny thing would be if they play uh, Florida in a uh, showdown of Florida versus Tampa and the Panthers upset them to take Floridian dominance. But yeah, the other than that, the only other team that I could see really um, that, I mean, obviously, yeah, Carolina would be shook. Look at them against the Rangers. In the past 37 games, they've won like six. So it's not like they're going to be the one that's so ready to jump at the bit of facing the Rangers. And, I mean, we've seen them this year with their goaltending woes when their best goaltender had to be an emergency backup goalie from uh, – Toronto's AHL team. It's not like Carolina is going to be so ready to face the Rangers. I mean, they had to know, like, down the stretch, things were not exactly going their way. And, yeah, obviously, they, jumping back into this, look at, like, yeah, they could definitely see there are other plans that they probably had. But, yeah, I could definitely see uh, Carolina not being ready to play certain other teams just kind of comical that only them and Tampa were ready to say no when 24 other teams were saying yeah and the other seven they don't have a word until like December or November of next year or of, uh, the end of the season end of year and uh, with that being thought about we thought we would uh, dive into these uh, matchups that are currently put into place with the uh... With the call, with the qualifying round, the uh, top seed in the in in this bra- bracket was Pittsburgh facing the, as we aforementioned, ever so feared Carey Price and the Montreal Canadiens. As we described earlier, this is a matchup where, <laughs> as long as you can get past Price, particularly if you're Pittsburgh with their all their star power and whatnot, it's. Uh, that's one way to make it a quick series, but if Price is the man playing on his head like he was and five years ago, then uh, it would be the possibility of a uh, 2010 repeat. Oops, why did I just say that? Let me just start off by saying, if I may, if anybody shouldn't be in, technically it would be the Habs. One of my best friends being a Habs fan, he's even saying he's kind of kicking himself as a Habs fan, wishing that they didn't sell if they knew that this was going to happen. For a team that kind of mailed it in to be given a shot, I can understand a little bit of frustration on Pittsburgh's part. But at the same time, if you're doing a qualifying round, Pittsburgh still has to find their way in. Even though they're probably going to be in, they still have to find their way in. And Carey Price is going to be that thorn in their side, for lack of a better term. That's the reason why Tampa voted against it. It's not because Tampa got swept in the first round last year. Not because they're going to have cap problems. 
not because of anything else. It's because of the fact that, and it was cited, if I'm not mistaken, that the, a team was going to have to face Carey Price, when in reality he shouldn't have been in the playoffs. I get it. I understand it. I hear you. But if you're really a playoff team and you're really a contender, you will beat the team that is put in front of you. So, Pittsburgh, this is your chance to put up or shut up. Prove to the rest of the league that you should have been in the top four. Do your job, and then go out and beat the next team after that. That's all I can say. Yeah, the only thing I can really think for this is if Pittsburgh is, like, incredibly rusty, this would be a time for a surprise team like Montreal would really be one of the biggest surprise teams to just jump out there. As we've seen in the past, like... Eight seed over one seeds have happened all the time, and President's Trophy winners have gone down real quick. So this is very much a possibility. Like, nothing is set in stone when it comes to the playoffs, and if this is, for all intents and purposes, a play into the playoffs, it could very much happen. Yeah, Pittsburgh is definitely loyal with talent, but, uh, and, I mean, Carey Price has had his ups and downs this year, but it is Carey Price, and they are, like, Montreal does have a couple of names that could do something. I mean, you got Tatar, you got, if he's going to play Domi, even have uh, Shea Weber coming back, Brendan Gallagher, if Nick Suzuki's up there, uh, he'll be playing. Um, they have what it takes, like, they could easily pull, I mean, not easily, but they could pull away with a couple of games, and in only a best of five, who knows, they jump out to a quick two-to-one lead, uh, series lead, and then game four, they take it, all of a sudden, they've won it in four in the NHL, anything can happen. We saw it last year in the first round of the President's Trophy winners. Again, nothing is set in stone. Just like how in a matchup between the Islanders and the Panthers, sometimes even the officials aren't set in stone, really. Talk about a matchup for uh, one team that just started fading, fading, and fading after the deadline, and another team that was somewhat fighting their way in, but now has a chance to catch a team off guard. Yeah, I think we should go ahead and remember that the Islanders still have not won a game since the trade deadline. Um, and in this case, they don't even have uh, Trocek to trip anymore because the Panthers were sellers of the deadline. They sent Trocek out to uh, Carolina. So who knows? We'll get tripped by Big Brother New York this time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, this is something that I definitely could see it going either way. I feel like the Islanders have like a lot of star power. They're going to get a lot healthier. But if anyone really is, this is going to be where the top names of uh, of Florida have to like really produce. Obviously, the, the a lot of people are going to be looking at um, Barkov and Huberdo. But if Bobrovsky is, can figure out his game, they'll be able to make it. If not, then Islanders are going to take this one quickly because Bob has not looked confident at all. They have the talent to be able to get it done. And like you said, and this is not meant to be a complete knock on the Islanders. They weren't playing good hockey. This Corona couldn't have come at a better time for this team. That being said, how can you verify that this team is going to come back and still play well? Are they going to get their legs back? Is the team still going to be kind of one unit? It's, this is also the argument you can have with every team. I understand that. But you have to take into account that when you're in a slump, a reset will help, but with this long of a reset, is it really going to change? Will these guys be mulling over on the fact that they haven't won a game past the deadline? Or will they finally find their way in? 
And again, if the Islanders are a playoff team, like I just said about Pittsburgh, they will beat the team in front of them. Yep, hit those points on pretty hard. This, much like with my favorite team, uh, another team that was fading towards the end of the season, this this whole delay could really be played to their advantage, or they could just sort of be a uh, <clears throat> sheer reminder that they were that they didn't change the slightest. So. Toronto versus Columbus. Star power versus a rather relatively surprising team and uh, very streaky in the process. Yeah, I think the main story here would be the fact that Columbus has been, had like so many injuries and they've weathered so much. If they get everyone back, they're going to be as fearsome as they were last year. I mean, slightly less because they don't have, obviously, Panarin, Bobrovsky, Duchesne, Zingle, but still they're going to be rolling with Elvis. They're going to be having a healthy Seth Jones. They still have their uh, Pierre Luc Dubois. Like they're going to be a team that, as good as Toronto is as far as like talent wise, do they have the depth to run with all four lines of Columbus? Because Columbus has the depth. It's a question of if Toronto really can finally get out the. Uh, their slump of not making it past the first round, you know, this is basically like what they need. They need to be able to do it in a shorter series. And this is basically it. If I'm not mistaken, I don't know how re- if uh, they're doing reseeding or not in the brackets, but there's a chance that Toronto could win a playoff round and then for the official first round series have to face Boston. Yeah, I think that was uh, they. They're doing like reseeding or something, and then yeah, if they were the lowest seed remaining, basically. Right. Yeah. Which that would be definitely be all sorts of fun. Possible, but I would predict a uh, double digits, double digit seed to win in there. So, and for me, this is honestly the series that I'm looking forward to most. This is going to be the most interesting. You don't know who's going to get hot. The star power that Toronto has versus, the, like you said, the depth of Columbus. Will the star power be able to come out and actually perform? I mean, this is Tavares' first real shot in the playoffs, if you kind of think about it. Besides that, I mean, if Trocek doesn't get tripped, does he score the, the goal that sends him to the next round? Food for thought. So take into account all that. You have a young stud and Elvis playing for Columbus, you have AM34 having a chance to put himself on the map as pretty much in the top tier with McDavid and Crosby. Put him up there with Ovechkin as well. You have all these top guys. And again, I'm leaving some other names out. But if Matthews performs well in that first round, he's going to solidify himself as a top five player heading into next year. Guaranteed. So this is a prove-it thing, not for a contract. This is a prove-it as in prove to the league and to the world that you are a top-five player in the sport. And this is something that I think would be a great challenge. So take into account that fire. Take into account a Columbus team that is going to be essentially lit on fire as well to prove that, hey, we didn't need these stars from last year. We're good enough to do this on our own. And this is a good first test. This is going to be a good battle. Give me Columbus in five. Wow. 
Well, uh, nobody thought Columbus in four last year, so I am not against your prediction, the slightest. Not at all. Those are the uh, eight teams in the qualifying round, but we, of course, cannot forget the four teams at the top of the, the, wait, top of the conference. Before we go on, um, the little rant earlier about Carolina, so that way people don't be coming at me a little bit, it was not at the Canes themselves. It was at the irrational fans not understanding where they were in the position of the standings. That That's all. Not a knock against the team. The team is good. The team is definitely playoff bound. But just realize where you are and where you were going to head. Mic drop. I mean, honestly, like, I, I think that they have the talent, but at the same time, I feel like they were not trending in the right direction. So that definitely helped them out. But, yeah, we'll see how – this is pretty much their chance to prove it. Like, the same way they did last year, they're in a prove-me situation of – can we still go in a deep run like we did last year? From that deep run, you say, there are a couple teams of which they face to com- who comprise of the top four in the conference in the Boston Bruins, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Washington Capitals, and the Philadelphia Flyers. Flyers have, uh, have has, of course, uh, been a relatively big surprise all year. We've talked on the show before on how they seem to be hit or miss quite a bit, and... Now, it was easily possible for their weaknesses to let them down in the in the playoffs in the long run. And now it seems they'll face a relatively tough test like all these other three other teams in the top four of having to face off against the best in the conference to uh, truly determine your seed and where they put you at for the long run. Yeah, I feel like the Flyers basically have the toughest test off the fact that they're going to pull whoever the highest remaining seed is and really they could wind well if they if all things shake out like if they get knocked out early they could wind up pulling the highest remaining seed and that could mean pulling something like uh, uh the penguins or pulling a team like the um like toronto or columbus i mean it could really shake out that they have to face a tough team and that could really be their downfall. It's they, they went right into the playoffs. Uh, I mean, they went right into the break, really red hot. Everyone knew that they were going from being like third or fourth in the division all of a sudden to contending with the Caps for the uh, division championship, the division title. But now we're basically looking at them as, are they going to be able to come out of this as high as they were before? Or are the depth pieces going to come back down to earth and we're looking at a team that was riding off of being really hot for a short amount of time. Streaky has been the theme of this episode, it feels like, and in this case, the Flyers are no different, but from a different different end of the spectrum. No pun intended. I mean, the team, again, you don't know what you're going to get in this situation, and playoff hockey is always different. So any team in the top four right now, prove that you deserve to be in the top four right now. Prove that you deserve to be the one seed. You see the Bruins complaining. Didn't the Lightning just almost set an NHL record last year and get swept in the first round? Because they had they were playing for nothing, air quotes. Who's to say that the Bruins couldn't do the same thing? So the Bruins that are complaining about this round-robin thing for seeding, prove that you're the number one seed right now. Get your legs back under you. Prove that you're playing for something. If you're really motivated to make amends for coming up short this past year... You know, it's the same thing you've been doing all year, going through it the hard way. Nothing is guaranteed in the playoffs at all. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know who's going to get hot. You don't know, and we've talked about it on plenty of other episodes. 
you need a hot goalie and a good back end to make it far. If the Bruins really are the number one team, they'll go out there and they'll prove it in this round robin thing. And to, if you think about it too, the NHL has given these guys a chance at essentially preseason games. These games are, yeah, they mean a little bit more, but these are regular. Let me let me change that. They're regular season games where four teams are fighting for the President's Trophy right now. That's all this is. You're already in the playoffs. You're guaranteed. You have a chance to get your legs ready right now. You're going out there and playing games that matter but really don't matter because you're going to have to get through the grind anyway. You're playing less. What is it? They have to play three in the round robin? Uh, They play each other once. Yeah, so you're playing three games. You're getting your legs back under you. Goalies are going to be seeing shots. You get to go out there and you get to have a little bit of fun. See what works, see what doesn't. Coaches can experiment with lines, figure who's going to get hot, who's going to get not. This is a perfect opportunity for any team in the top four right now. Why would they be complaining? You're already guaranteed. I can understand maybe since the rumors, oh, we should have had a one seed and we would have been playing this team or this team. You don't know who you're going to play. You don't know what the Rangers could have slipped into the eighth spot and you would have had a hot Rangers team. You could have had Carolina drop into that eighth spot and then they go off and they pull what Columbus did last year and sweep you. So, again, nothing is guaranteed. Go out there and prove that you're a number one team. Prove that you're a playoff team. That's what this format is doing. It is giving teams that were on the bubble a chance to prove why they deserve to be in the playoffs, why they deserve to be a number one seed, why they deserve, again, this is just for the top four, why they deserve to play a wild card team, why they don't deserve to be number two and have to play that team in their division. Go out there and prove that you're better, that you deserve that wild card team, because that's that's what's coming out of the qualifying rounds right now. That's one thing I didn't even touch base on upon. This is our one year of getting out of the NHL's horrid divisional playoff format. We should probably be celebrating this, if anything. However, I can't believe I haven't thought about that until now. Wild yeah, stuff. It's definitely been awesome, the fact that we don't have to deal with having the best two teams wind up playing each other in like the second round or it's yes, definitely something that I prefer a lot more. And really like, yeah, as Dan was saying, the higher seeds should be able to like, or should be happy over the fact that they don't have to deal with the early onset that the uh, layer seeds had. I mean, this idea that like, Oh, they're going to be super annoyed or super inconvenienced over the fact that they have to play an additional couple of games. Like, you're literally playing not even um, a couple of freebie games, over, and it could wind up being that you'll... Three freebies that mean almost nothing. Exactly. Like, you're going to... Either way, you have had to, to go to the Cup, you have had to face a couple of these teams. And if not, then did you really deserve to go to the Cup if you can't beat a team in, like, the first or second round of the playoffs? This is just a way to get your legs back in back in action, and yeah, they basically like if a if a team like the Bruins is it's really a team like the Bruins should be the one clamoring at it over the fact that they are the uh, eventual President Trophy winner. They are the team that everyone was looking at. Are they going to be a, like the first one to fail? Because especially after last year, they went to the Cup Finals. They would have had the Cup hangover on that, or the uh, fact that they're playing so many games, their older players would have been exhausted. This is something that, like, the break gives them a chance to ease back into the playoffs. It's not like they have to go from playing all these games in the regular season right into the playoffs and then have to go right into that same intensity that they did in 2014 where they get booted in the second round. 
much like your point on getting the old guys refreshed and uh, all rested up, you can almost say say the same thing for the Caps, but in terms of just taking a look at their team and saying, hey, we've got three games to evaluate if we have made any changes or any progress from our sort of downfall of play that took place the past couple months and how we were almost not necessarily lucky to win the division, but could have easily have lost that if we had to play 10 more games. Now, and you could say, hey, now this is our chance to take another look at ourselves and be, hey, can we put up a good performance against a team like Philadelphia that's been dominating us as of recent or show that we can put up play a great play a great well organized team game against a fabulous team like Tampa Bay or Boston and show that we are here for another run and that our talent is going to show up and say hey we want to we want to go on this ride yet again so as we've mentioned before earlier these games are absolutely perfect for these teams just a wonderful chance to just warm yourself up into the slick of things and then if you get a, you get an opponent in your first round matchup who could be who knows slightly tired from their previous round it's a chance to take advantage it's it's somewhat like getting a first round bye except that's not exactly how it works but if you catch my analogy now exactly. if they have to play pittsburgh if boston has to play pittsburgh i can understand a little bit like all right like we probably weren't going to be playing Pittsburgh until the conference finals. And now we got to play him in round one. I can understand from that perspective there. But again, you got to prove that you deserve to be the one seed. And after what Tampa did last year, anything is up for grabs. Anybody can make a, make a play. Pittsburgh's a if, five seed. Why would they play Boston in the first round? If Boston goes 0-3 in the round robin, they'd get a four seed. I stand corrected. And also, like, the same thing that you said, uh, if they play them, yeah, they'd be inconvenienced they wouldn't play them in the first round. But they're going to play them eventually, or they're going to play a team that beat them. Like, this idea that you don't want to have to play a tough team early on and you just hope that someone else is going to knock them out. You're going to have to play multiple teams. You're going to have to win 16 games. Or, in like, in this case, most, like, eight teams are going to win 16, have to win 16 games. The other 16 are going to have to win 24 or um, 19 games to get to 24 teams. But yeah, it's basically like you have to win all those games. You're going to eventually have to. Um, you're going to have to do this. That you have to play. I mean, you have to play like the best teams. You shouldn't be afraid of having to play the best team, especially if you're the alleged best team. Go out there and prove to everyone that you're the best team. Beat everyone in your path. Treat like your college hockey playing days. It's winner who is always winner go home come turn come tournament time it's one way to put it and only top 16 make it that too <laughs> and you got to win your conference in order to get in for some teams most so, teams basically yeah and every team every team is guaranteed a chance at their conference if you deserve to be in the frozen four you go, go out there and win your conference and prove that you're the best team in your conference go out there and go get hot and head into the tournament hot that that's pretty much it I mean, you have 60 teams in college hockey. 16 are making it. That's what, roughly what the NHL had with their playoffs, yeah. with 8 out of 30? Roughly around the same ratio. 
right now they're giving the NHL is giving extra teams right now the opportunity. That's essentially what college hockey does with these teams all getting a shot to win their tournament. Some teams aren't going to do it, but you're going to have teams that are going to make a run. So for the teams that are on the bubble, whether you're 18th in pairwise or 14th in pairwise, go out there and prove why you're 10th in pairwise. The players are the a lot of the players are the ones who expressed interest in playing. So play if you want to play. <laughs> obviously, a lot of things are obviously easier said than done, and. I, I'm just I'm just some person ranting on a podcast, but if you want, you're the one who wanted to play. Now, nah, go out and play. <laughs> well, that wraps up for the uh, Eastern Conference uh, preview matchups, and now we turn on to uh, Andy's life lesson of this week. All right, folks. Um, for this life lesson, I'm going to go ahead and say this, folks. If I've taught you anything, it's this: if you have a coupon and you're going through a drive-through. Make sure that you announce the coupon before you actually get to the window where you pick up the food. So just order it while while you're ordering. Make sure you announce what you have as a coupon, because the worst feeling is when you go there and say, "Oh, by the way, I had buy one get one free," and you see the look of disgust on their face. And I apologize wholeheartedly to the lady at Wendy's who I she had to turn around and re-ring some stuff up as well as the people behind me who were probably cursing out a storm in their cars but yeah my mistake and i'm sorry to you all that's why i told you to keep the change on my like 599 order that turned out i gave her six every <laughs> second counts. never thought about this that is actually a phenomenal life lesson right there yeah that one not one of my prouder moments i'll just say that there's a lot of there can be a lot of anger in those drive-through lines and food services. So, but it's uh, that additional sentence change and it was pretty nice of you, and even get yourself a life lesson out of that. That's absolutely phenomenal. The best way to look at it. <laughs> Always. Well, folks, that wraps it up for this week. Dan, Andy, and myself here. Hope you had a very fabulous Memorial Day weekend, and we all hope you are staying safe as always and keeping staying healthy as well during these times, and we hope to see you uh, again with us next week. Peace. See you. Later.